Hey everybody, Joseph here, one of the pastors at the First Presbyterian Church of Flint, and I wanted to welcome you to our sermon podcast, a show that features the latest sermons preached here at First Pres. But first, a little bit about us. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation, proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. We have a vibrant and thriving ministry to our neighbors here in Flint and are engaged weekly in worship, faith formation, a dynamic ministry to kids and teenagers, and community building across generations. You can learn more at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 930 to worship with us. We'd love to welcome you and your family to worship. Now, here's this week's sermon. It is always an honor and privilege to share with you. So thank you again for allowing me to grace this pulpit. As I was preparing for this sermon, I sought to find stories of people that may have ventured out to fast, to eat nothing for 40 days. I was interested in finding out what happened to their bodies, what may have happened to their psyche, and what was their end result. So Google makes it so easy for you to find these things. I remember having to go to the library and look up things in the card catalog, or looking things up in the volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica that my parents had bought my sister and I. But at this day and age, you have everything available to you at your fingertips. So there was this one story that I found of brothers from Australia named Sinclair and Saxton. They went on a fast for 40 days, and it turned into a documentary. You know everything turns into reality TV, right? So they ate nothing but only drank. These brothers drank water for 20 days and drank juice for 20 days. I know it wasn't under the same exact conditions as Jesus, but I was still curious about what happened to them during this time. In an interview, these brothers talked about the last week of their water fast and how challenging it was. It became difficult for them to get around. Their feet felt like cement blocks. It was hard for them to walk around. They said their energy was low, but their mental clarity was at an all-time high. They had laser focus. These brothers said they went off to a mountainside during their fast. They wanted to remove themselves from distractions and temptations. Going off to a remote place to remove themselves from distractions and temptations. As I read Luke, I thought it was ironic that going off to a remote place does not equate to the absence of distractions and temptations of life. So let me say it again. Going off to a remote place does not equate to the absence of distractions and temptations of life. You see, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness As we enter this Lenten season, what is the Spirit leading you to do? 
What places is the Spirit telling you to go? What activities is the Spirit leading you to do? I know you may think, may be thinking, well, what is God calling me to do? And if God is calling me to do it, it will be without struggles, right? Mm, wrong answer. There is not a clause in your spiritual journey that exempts you from struggles. Jesus was not exempt from struggles. And your Bible is full of individuals that were definitely not exempt from struggles. So let's take a look at Jesus' struggles in this passage of scripture and see what we can learn from him. So the devil, AKA Satan, AKA the accuser, AKA the slanderer, AKA the prince of the world, AKA personal adversary, all these different names, but the same identity, enters into this scene. And this is the first time that that fallen angel is mentioned in Luke. This cosmic force that attempts to interfere with the plan of God for his people. The thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The names says it all. It should come to no surprise to us that based on his character, history, and names, that he would try to confuse Jesus. I mean, it seems as though he was using the, the same tactics that he used in the Garden of Eden when he was speaking to Adam and Eve. When he asked them, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He was up to his old tricks again, except he was not disguised as a serpent. He asked Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. I feel like the devil was trying to get into Jesus's head, trying to cause some confusion like he did at the very beginning of time. If you are the son of God, he was trying to question the very essence of who Jesus was and still is. The one who was sent to save humanity. Old habits die hard. So maybe the enemy is trying to have you to question your identity. What seeds of doubt have been planted in your mind? What are you calling into question? For those of you who have a green thumb, what have you been watering and allowing to grow in your mind? Because what you grow, what you, what you feed will grow. I probably have mentioned this in one of my sermons that you have heard me preach before. So let's see if you've actually been listening to me. I'll push you at the end. But our thoughts will change how we feel and how we behave. I think that the devil was trying to have Jesus doubt who he was. And might I add, doubt his purpose. I think in order to know why Jesus didn't fall for the okie doke, is that Jesus took to heart what God had said to them in Luke 3.22. After Jesus was baptized, heaven opened up and a voice from it said, you are my son. The beloved, with you I am well pleased. I want you to imagine God saying these same words to you 
You can close your eyes if you're able to, or just focus on a point on the wall, if you like. I want you to fill in your name in pronouns, son, daughter, your non-gender conforming, whatever your pronouns may be. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Repeat that to yourself. Notice how you feel. I just want you to sit with that for one moment. Feel all the feelings and sensations. You can open your eyes now. Notice how you felt. Maybe you were overcome with joy like a little kid when guardians tell them that I'm proud of you and I love you. Maybe Jesus felt the same way and he planted those words in his heart and remember what God had told him before his encounter with the enemy. But let me back back for a moment. Some of you may not have had a warm encounter during this exercise. Maybe you found it difficult because other voices have taken root in your mind. But let me remind you, you are a child of God. You are his beloved. With you, he is pleased. Forces beyond you may try to tell you otherwise, but don't let them cause you to confuse you and say you're not who God has called you to be. Let God's word take root in your mind and in your heart. In the devil's second attempt to knock Jesus off his square, it says that the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to Jesus, I will give you all the authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you just worship me, it'll be yours. Jesus was in the wilderness away from society, but the devil shows up and flaunts in his face the kingdoms. What he wants to give Jesus, give authority over to him. I mean, power and prestige is appealing, right? I remember watching this movie called Crossroads. It came out in 1986, starring the original Karate Kid, Joe Seneca and Jamie Gertz. Ralph played a 17-year-old who was a student at Juilliard School for Music who was fascinated with the blues. He was intrigued by the talent of a famous blues artist who he heard had sold his soul to the devil at a crossroad. In exchange for selling his soul, this blues artist got talent. This team travels to the South in search of this blues artist. He eventually finds the artist, but he had been living under another identity in a minimum, in a minimum security hospital where he was an inmate. The team breaks the blues artist out of the facility 
and they both travel to the crossroads in rural Mississippi, where the artist reveals that he got his ability to play because he did make a deal with the devil. Now the devil shows up and the blues artist wants to get out of his contract. But the devil tells him the contract is still valid, even if you are dissatisfied with how your life turned out. Now I'll let you watch the movie so you can see how it ends, or if you've already watched it, you probably know how it ends. But everything that glitters is not gold. The artist made the deal, but still did not like the way his life turned out. At what price does this so-called kingdom come at? Will it end up feeling like a prison sentence? Will you end up having to change your identity? And will you not like the way your life turned out to be? You see, there is a greater kingdom than this world. God's kingdom encompasses it all. The earth is the Lord's. Jesus knew that his response to the devil because the earth is his. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus gave reference to Moses speaking with the Israelites after he had given them the Ten Commandments. Moses threw caution to the wind about their disobedience. And I think Jesus gave the, de gave the devil a great response. I know he doesn't need my approval, but again, I think it's great because it provides us with some guidance. Jesus was presented with an opportunity to have authority, but had to worship the devil. Will the opportunities that you are presented result in you worshiping other things instead of God? What will you have to sacrifice? What price will you have to pay? Remember that you can't go wrong with God's kingdom because it encompasses all things, earthly and the heavenly realm. I think it's safe to say that worshiping God and seeking God's kingdom first won't steer you wrong. If we have learned anything from Adam and Eve and the Israelites about worshiping other gods or allowing the enemy to lead you, is that it will lead to one's demise. The devil wants to disrupt you, to upend your life, to steal your peace, to steal your purpose and identity. And he was definitely trying to do the same with Jesus. You see, the devil tries to steer Jesus astray for a third and final time in this text. Maybe he thought that the third time was a charm, right? He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. The enemy tries to trick him once again. I don't think that the devil can stand toe to toe with the one who was in the beginning and the one who was the word. But the enemy quotes, Psalm 91, verses 11, 1 through 2. So you mean to tell me that the enemy knows scripture? That's some food for thought. The enemy is trying to lead Jesus astray by quoting scripture. With each and every response to the devil, Jesus dropped some scripture. So I guess the enemy said he was going to try, he was going to, try to drop some scripture too. This one pastor that I listen to, Reverend Solomon Kinlock, says, text without context is just a kind. It's unfortunate, 
but scripture can be used inappropriately for self-serving purposes. The devil was trying to use scripture so that he could benefit his so-called kingdom. People can be easily led astray. I mean, slaves were given slave Bibles. The story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt were redacted from these Bibles. The verses where it talked about slaves obey your master, it was kept in. And from personal experience, I've been told that since I'm a woman, that I cannot be a pastor and preach because the scripture says so. Now, if I would have listened to them, I would not be standing in this pulpit today. But it's up to you to study the word. I mean, you have highly skilled pastors that are here. You have faith formation classes that are offered here. You have the library, you have the Bible, you have all these resources at your disposal. Another highly important resource that you have is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So allow yourself to be led by the Spirit when studying scriptures. The Spirit will help you discern, will help you understand, and will help you interpret the scriptures. So like I said before, Jesus' response to the third temptation was scripture. He said, do not put the Lord your God to, to the test. He lets the devil know that God is not a puppet. We can't force God to do anything that he does not want to do. God may put us to the test like he did the Israelites in the wilderness, but we are not to set God up to try to force his hand. God is sovereign. God is in control. Now, I don't think we want to worship a God that can be manipulated, at least I don't. But Jesus hadn't even started his ministry and performed miracles, and the enemy was trying to manipulate him to do things. Don't know if the enemy was trying to kill Jesus before it was time, but don't let anyone push you to do something that is not in God's will for you to do or push you before it's God's time. The scripture tells us that the devil had finished every test and departed from him until an opportune time. That lets us know that the enemy can come for us multiple times. I mean, we don't know how many times and when. But since we know that it can happen, maybe we can have an emergency preparedness plan ready. I know for all of you type A personalities, having the word plan in this sentence, you may be doing cartwheels on the inside. So let me recap my points to assist you with your plan, just in case you missed them. Number one, know who you are in Christ. You are his child. You are his beloved, with whom he is pleased. Know who God is. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He has dominion over everything, and we are to worship him. Not things, not people. We are to worship him. And know the word. May your response to the world be God's word. I know that this is not an easy task, but may God give you the grace to endure. But as you journey through this Lenten season, 
Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in all ways. As you go through your 40-day journey, may you have laser focus and high mental clarity like the brothers in Australia did. Amen.